0: Welcome. You're listening to The Rest of the Sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. All right, welcome back. Welcome back to the rest of the sermon. And Pastor we're back. And we're back to the rest of the sermon, playing here on the Rose Class A Servo Bias Preamps SafeX on board. Yes, love it. <laughs> that's the name of the big complex machine that's in front of me that allows you to hear us every week. Fantastic. Jason, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? Did you guys survive the storms last night? Yeah, my wife and two kids and my mother-in-law slept like babies through everything, and I was up all night. Yeah. Like I just heard all the thunder and lightning and couldn't this get season, sleep
1: is always Courtney's birthday is in April yeah. and this was the first time so the storms came a little bit later um, in the season because um, in her birthday, towards the end of April, literally on the day of her birthday, there's always like a tornado warning or something like that in the part of the country that we live here in Southeast Missouri. So that's crazy. They came later, but we're always ready and 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 aware yeah. of the storms and stuff.
0: There was one, there was, I, I heard there was a tornado in Donovan around Van Buren and Elsinore Don, and, and yeah. in east of us as well.
1: Donovan schools are closed today. Cry there's mighty. no power. Trees are down. They get hit in the flooding, the river, man, they get yeah. hit hard. That poor community Community, man. Yeah, my goodness.
0: Well, we're back to the rest of the sermon. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Um, Pastor Jason, you were just telling me about how uh, you get a lot of response and feedback from people who listen to this. Yeah, it's exciting, man. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I love that we have an opportunity um, on Tuesdays to sit down here and and sort of unpack um, in depth uh, some things that we can't get to um uh, in the sermon on Sunday morning, that we may not have time for, uh, and and maybe just get down to some real world uh, real world application stuff. And, yeah. And uh, one of the things that we're blessed that we get to be able to do is to answer questions. Love it. We have an opportunity to answer questions that people sent in. We actually have a question that was sent in this past week. And uh, if you have a question um, that you ever want us to answer on the rest of the sermon, you can send those questions to info at westsidepb.org. Please do yeah, send those in because these are great. They're fun to answer. They're fun to talk. About. About and hopefully um, we, to the best of our ability, we answer them to the best that we can. i um, pulling from the scriptures and the truth that lies therein. Yeah, and uh, hopefully you can, you know, li- live a life in more confidence, knowing a little bit more about the Bible and uh, another subject like Amen. we, like we have here. Um, here's our question for this week. I was, are you ready? I'm ready, man. I'm <laughs> okay. ready. I love it. I was wondering how things like dinosaurs, Neanderthals, other galaxies, and things like that fit into a Christian view. I know it's a broad topic, but I've often wondered and have had non-Christian friends ask, and I never know how to answer with any kind of biblical backing, interested to hear y'all's thoughts. So essentially, Great. we have we have a like a three-part question here. Like, what's the difference between Darwinism, creationism, yeah. evolution, and then maybe on the creationism side, young earth creationism or old earth creationism? Yeah. Like, what do we have to say about that? What's the Bible have to say about that? Does it matter? Why does it matter? Why not? Yeah. Let's talk about that.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm going to answer it a couple ways. First and foremost, to to really boots on the ground answer the question, the Bible actually does mention some creatures and some beasts, the Leviathan, yeah, and then the Behemoth. Yeah. I think it's Job 40 um, in in that area. So so to the person who um, asked the question, you can go to Job 40, and it's really cool. God is talking about all the stuff that He's created. So the Bible does mention in sort of a mysterious way yeah. um, in Job 40, 40 one, um, about the Leviathan, a sea creature, and the behemoth, and and stuff like that. Number two, this is a great, this is a really fundamental question of how do we read the Bible, okay? And so, number one, I believe that um, all truth is God's truth, Amen. okay? Um, But what that means is, and I'm going to answer this question from history, we have in the Protestant Reformation um, what they call the five solas of the Reformation, Come sort of man. the heart of our faith. One of those is um, sola scriptura, which means um, the scriptures alone. The word of God okay? alone. Now, what it doesn't say is solo scriptura, yeah. which would mean only scripture. Yeah. And, and, and here's where I'm going with this. The Bible... Doesn't talk about everything. Yeah. Okay. So when you go to get your oil change, you know, the mechanic doesn't turn to Leviticus. Right. All right. (laughs) So there's common knowledge, there's common grace out there. What the scriptures do speak to is um, everything pertaining to life and godliness. Yeah. As I think in 1 Peter or 1 Timothy mentions. So the Bible talks is complete in everything that we need to know about God, Jesus, and everything that God's revealed about himself, okay? But it doesn't speak to every single thing. And so to answer the question when it comes to dinosaurs, like the Bible doesn't explicitly mention kangaroos. Right, you know, but, but we know they exist in that sense. And so number one, the Bible does mention some ancient prehistoric, um, creatures. Number two, the way we read the Bible is very, very important. It's everything that God has revealed about himself and it's sufficient in that. Um, and then lastly, number three, when it comes to sort of Darwinism and worldview and everything like that, I'm going to say this, um, Darwinism, specifically, is a worldview, and Darwin has said and you know, this is recorded in his writings, very much so, searched for a worldview that opposed God. Yeah. OK? So I mean, Darwin was a racist. Okay. Like, mm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, I mean, in there about evolutionary theory and stuff like that. Snipe his bumper
0: sticker on your car.
1: Well, the full title that they don't give you in school talks about the evolutionary involvement of dominant races. Okay. So you need to study that. That's, that's really important. Number two, I don't believe that science and the Bible are opposed to each other. Amen. I believe that all truth is God's truth and that the Bible... Um, I love what Carl Bart said. Carl Bart said that science is man's point of view, mm. and I think that's great. Yeah. I think we're learning how to figure these things out in that sense. And so, young Earth, old Earth. Um, number one, I think this is a open-handed issue. Yeah. I don't think it's close-handed. I don't think your salvation, if you divide in fellowship, can we
0: break down real quick? Just yeah. a quick difference between young Earth and old Earth.
1: Yeah, for sure. A- so, young Earth would say. <laughs> You know Ken Ham and some of these guys, uh, creation, you know, answers in Genesis would say, you know, the Earth is around six to seven, eight thousand years old. Yeah. Um, you know, um, a a younger theory, and then old Earth would kind of lean towards, um, you know, there's a lot of famous guys. I mean, the C.S. Lewis, the Tim Keller's believe in God. Uh, what's called theistic evolution, mm-hmm. that God created everything. That's a close-handed issue. Amen. Okay, it's yeah. not God created everything. That is a close-handed issue. Some guys believe that God might have used a natural process, yeah. meaning in Genesis we see that God might have used the rain and the sun to grow plants. Yeah. Um, now, here's what's difficult. When God created the man and the woman, uh, he was a grown man. Adam yeah. and Eve were grown. A lot of people think Adam might have been 33 years old, the perfect age, because that's how old Jesus was whenever he died, the second Adam. Um, but so when God spoke the tree into existence or creation, it was a tree that bore fruit. Yeah, It wasn't a seed in that sense. So I sort of lean, I lean to a seven-day creation yeah. just because I think when Moses gets the Ten Commandments, he says again that God created the world in seven days. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good evidence for that. But I also know from a scientific uh, you know, perspective, I think there can be a seven-day creation, but I think by the way in which we age things, we don't necessarily know the beginning point of that yeah. tree or something like that. You're talking like carbon dating and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. So I don't think, you know, one of the things that's so disappointing is we grow up in church and especially true of our generation, bro. Yeah. We grow up in church, maybe a fundamentalist background where it's like, you know, it's seven days and it's only 6,000 years old. And if anybody tells you different, and then these kids go to college and a professor is like, there's no way, look at all this scientific evidence. And I think what that points back to is a poor understanding and a poor reading of scripture, man. Yeah. And so, um, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of good resources out there on that. Yeah. Um, one of the things I think a guy like Tim Keller, um, I don't agree with him on everything. I, I, I agree with him on a lot, but guys that engage the culture on these things, uh, the book, The Reason for God, yeah. um, he addresses some of these things, questions that Christians have in that sense. And so just to reassure the person that asked the question, this is not a close-handed issue. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to be kept out of heaven if you think the earth is old or young yeah. um, in that sense. And when
0: anyone asks you, it's okay to say, I don't know. 100%. It's okay to say, I don't know. Let's, 100%. Let's figure this out. Absolutely. Yeah. And <laughs> so, so
1: just just to Recap number one, the Bible does mention some beasts yeah. in in Job 40 41, I think. Um, number two, the way we read the Bible is very important. Yeah. The Bible reveals everything um, that God has said about Himself yeah. pertaining to life and godliness, the way of salvation, and um, Jesus is the full revelation of God, all of those things. Um, but thirdly, all truth is god's truth. And so yeah. I don't think science opposes the bible. I don't think the bible opposes science. Yeah. Um I think they're coming and looking at something from two different perspectives yeah. in that sense. So hopefully that answers the question. Yeah. Um you know if you want any more detail on
0: that, shoot us another question and maybe we can dive
1: in yeah. um, to
0: some of that stuff. Yeah, baller. Thank you for that question. Yep. A- again, uh, just recap this. If you have any questions like that or similar Maybe it it has to do with the sermon on Sunday, maybe it doesn't. You can send those in to info at westsidepb.org and we'll be happy to answer those. Yeah. All right, let's jump into it. I'm going to read our text from this past Sunday, uh, and we will um, thank God for his word, and then I'm going to ask a very, very important question. Okay. Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer Mm. each person. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for his word. So what is the earliest viral video you can remember? (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> That's the important question. Yeah, man. Uh Charlie bit my finger. Yeah,
1: man. I think. Yeah. I think in that sense. Yeah. Is I mean, that
0: before YouTube? Um
1: I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's in the early stages. Now, I remember like these um, street fight, bare knuckle, kimbo slice (laughs) videos that we would have to like rent and find or like UFC before it was legal in states and stuff like that. Like I remember videos being viral that you had to go to a video store to like check out and stuff like that. But now at the age of the internet, I would probably just say, you know, Charlie bit my finger. Right. and those kids are grown and have their own kids now yeah, you know for sure
0: for <laughs> how sure how about you for me it vacillates between two the first the first one is it's called store wars this okay. was before youtube i think it was on like oh i don't even Napster. remember that yeah something crazy like that <laughs> black sheep or something like that i i can't remember the name of it but um the video is called store Wars and it was essentially a stop motion animation of like fruits and vegetables in a grocery store, but it was themed after a star Wars movie. Okay. Uh, and it was one of the coolest things that I'd ever seen. Before. Perfect. That and Homestar Runner grew up watching a lot of Homestar Runner. That okay. was sort of viral. Um, in it's, in its context, um, wasn't ever on YouTube. It was like an old Flash website, a bunch of cartoons. It was geared towards college kids. It was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Love those. Love That's those good. As well. well, the theme for this week is the gospel goes viral, going yep. viral with the gospel. And we talked a little bit about that viral video um, and use that sort of an illustration to sort of launch us in. And we've been in Colossians for a few months now. I think this week was week 13 wow, cool. of being in the book of Colossians. And now we're getting boots on the ground and how we talk to others about God and how we talk to God about others, like yep. sort of prayer and evangelism are the two big bucks. Buckets that we talk about this week, but I want to talk about the 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 gospel going viral. And you you walked us through the book of Acts and Paul and his journey to Ephesus and how Colossae is impacted by this. Yeah, I want to walk through that for just a moment because it's a fire introduction. So we see in Acts 19 verse one, and it happened that while Apollos, who was Paul's buddy, was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. So Ephesus is like the big hub, the big city, the big culture area in terms of like goods and services. Ephesus is like Poplar Bluff. Like Col- <laughs> Colossae is like Donovan, right? Yeah, right, Like, like yeah. Colossae is like the small rural town. They probably like journeyed to Ephesus to get tools and food, yep. and goods that they needed, whatever, and then they'd go back home. And so we see in Acts 19, 8, a little further, and he entered the synagogue, and for three months he spoke boldly Reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God, and then verse ten. This continued for two years, yep. so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. We just blow past verses like that, yeah. And especially church planners yeah. or pastors, you know, yeah. we're
1: like longevity. Man, man, we started this program for seven months, and we're not, and we're looking that Paul... We've been married
0: for six weeks. Paul's been, I mean, (laughs) and
1: and we know that around this time that Paul, like, even went into tent making. He was bivocational in order to preach, but at the same time, make a living as well. And so Paul's invested in this city to plant a church. Can
0: we talk about that for a minute? Because we see Paul spending time. Like, like in verse 8, we see three months in the synagogues, and then two verses later, we see this continued for two years, like over 700 days of Paul tent making and preaching and teaching in the synagogues and making known the kingdom of God. What is the significance of spending or devoting a long time sharing the gospel? Yeah, I
1: think... It's the application directly from that is relationship. hmm. Is that in order for the gospel to go viral and to spread, you've got to know your city, you've got to know your town, you've got to know these people. You got to get a job there. There's deposits and withdrawals, and so the withdrawal is the standing up and saying repent and believe. You know, in the good news. There's a decision. It's persuasion but the deposits are the two years of living in that town yeah. being a tent maker invested in the community and so it's you know it's our words and our works yeah. at the same time doing that and we see that through the life and ministry of Paul
0: yeah that's great and verse 20 of acts 19 it, it we sort of have like the culmination of this so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily
1: yeah that's the theme through the book of acts yeah
0: yep yeah it continues to prevail and and I want to be I want to be clear before we launch into this yes it takes our words Works, and yes, it takes our words. God is the one who ultimately does the work. Amen. God is the one who makes the gospel go viral. It's just that He invites us to participate in that work with Him. It's a partnership. Yeah, yes. to spending a to, to devoting our lives and spending time in this, yes. and we see that, and we see that is how it spread from from Ephesus to Colossae, you, and, then, you, and
1: and then it says there too that like the word of the Lord back in verse ten, yeah. was all through Asia, yeah, and so that's where we're starting to realize now. Okay, this is spreading, and and at the end we're going to get into it this week. At the end of Colossians four, Paul talks about another letter read to the church in Laodicea. Yeah, and so what most scholars believe is that Epaphras, who's mentioned multiple times was probably the founding pastor there in Colossae. Paul had never gone to this church before. And so Epaphras was more than likely um, heard Paul preaching in Ephesus, was converted in Ephesus, and went back to Colossae. And then plants the church, has correspondence with Paul, and um, Paul writes this letter per Epaphras' request. How
0: long did Epaphras hear the word before he went?
1: Yeah, man, it's
0: really cool. Just the value of that longevity. So awesome. So, so, so awesome. So the big idea that we, that we, uh, worked from this week was the gospel goes viral when we, one, talk about, talk to God about people and number two, talk to people about God. Um, and we sort of spent some time unpacking like reasons why, use an acronym for FAIL, F-A-I-L, why we fail at sharing the gospel. I want to pause on each one of these and, and just talk about it for a moment. Um, the first the first reason that we may fail at sharing the gospel is is the F fear. Yep. That we are afraid of what people will think. 100%. You mentioned it on Sunday man, but can we unpack for just a moment like how irrational and almost illogical the fear that we have for sharing the gospel is different than like sure. China, North Korea,
1: Yeah, I think for us in the American West, man, our problem is we just think we live in a vacuum, you know, and, and, you know, I understand we're a big world power and and all of that stuff, but there is so much, I mean, this faith originated in the Middle East. It is, it didn't originate in the West, guys. And so, you know, Jesus isn't white. Yeah, amen. (laughs) I just mentioned, you know, like that Sunday, I just said today, There are brothers and sisters in China who are meeting in secret. Just read this past week where the Gospel Coalition, which is a great website and resource, is now illegal in China. Mm. You cannot go on the internet in China. They cannot go to the Gospel Coalition website. And it's crazy to think about that. And so we have way more of a social fear versus a fear physical persecution type of fear or something yeah. like that. And our fear 100% boils down to what they're going to think of me. And I do think that there is a rising hostility to the Christian faith. And, and listen, I'm not, you know, I want to put fun back in fundamentalism, okay? <laughs> but I do believe that that we are not far away from a preacher standing up and saying, you're a sinner, repent and believe could be labeled as hate speech. Yeah. I don't think we're far away from that. Yeah. But when we get to that, God's going to be good. He's going to be faithful and, he's going, to, and he's going to see us through yeah. right now. I think we're just afraid that they're going to delete us from Facebook. Yeah. You know, and, and I just think it's an irrational fear.
0: Yeah. No, that's good. Well, I think that fear leads somewhere like it sort of spills over into the next one, which is a apathy. We spend our lives believing that we're really in fear of sharing the gospel. And so we end up just not caring. Yeah, Um, And that really translates to, and I think it's also, it speaks to our culture. I mean, you said this, like apathy sort of stems from like, we don't truly really believe or live as though we believe that, that hell is a real place. Yeah. And that That eternity is a real place that eternity. Yeah. Exists. How, How has apathy sort of like crept in? into the the church. And why is it so dangerous for the believer to be apathetic towards sharing the gospel?
1: I think apathy is a product of consumerism. And Hmm. so I said Sunday that the greatest threat to the church of Jesus Christ is not agnosticism, or atheism outside the church. I think it's apathy inside the church.
0: How does consumerism tie into that?
1: It is a, I come to this thing, to this church, to these people, and there's a pastor and he's the one who talks to God and he prays for Mm. me and I drop my baby off in the nursery and all of this is here to benefit me. I, you know, a consumer says, What can these people do for me? Mm -hmm. And a contributor or a family member says, What can I do for them? And 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 it's just a game changer of a yeah. mindset. But with the consumerism comes apathy of yeah. I don't really care, you know, what happens or how hard the work was or this that or the other um, because I wasn't a part of it. I wasn't yeah. a part of building this. Mm. And man, I just think you know we even see in Revelation Jesus tells a church, "You've abandoned your first love. Yeah. You've become lukewarm. We will always drift." to apathy. Yeah. Um, and that we see that with Israel in the Old Testament. That's why the prophets came and sort of jarred them back into, yeah. you know, you're over there, you, you know, you need to come back over here. And so apathy is dangerous because the opposite yeah. of love is not hate. yeah. The, those are the different side of the same coin. And, and that's a coin of passion. So yeah. I love my wife more than anybody else. And nobody can make me as angry as my wife <laughs> because I love her more right. than anybody else. Yeah. The danger is, is when you just become apathetic yeah. and indifferent. And man, I I think yeah. social media is very much so leading us to this because people are no longer people. Yeah, it's just you know a, a set of beliefs that I can argue with, and we right. treat people as if they're not human. Yeah, that they're just a, you know a, a widget on the screen. Right, and, and that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah,
0: for sure. Well, I I like before we move on to the next one because I believe that the referencing social media takes us into the eye of fail for insecurity. But before we get to insecurity, like thinking about this idea of consumerism in the culture that there's sort of been this, there's sort of been this movement amongst churches. Um, and I, I'm not blaming or pointing out any individual church here. It's just something that I've seen over time over the last like 10, 15 years where church is almost made as like a product. Sure. Church is a, is designed as a product. Absolutely. And, and I think one of the things that I love about Westside and one of the things I love about our church, we're not a perfect church. Come join us if you're imperfect because you'll fit right in. Right, but, amen. But one of the things that I love is that our goal is to not um, offer a service that's flashy or comfortable. Um, we, we draw all of our inspiration from the Word of God. Everything is from the Holy Spirit on a Sunday morning through the Word of God. We are driving and striving for people to be more biblically literate, to love reading their Bibles, to love Christ more. And a lot of that is really hard to do. And a lot of that is really difficult. And it's really hard to package that into a product that people want on a Sunday morning. And And I
1: think it's, you know, let me speak to this. We strive for excellence, for sure. I mean, when it comes to a Sunday service or a program or anything like that, we're not just jumbling some stuff together with some duct tape and glue, you know? It's, um, there's excellence there, whatever you do, work heartily as for the yes, Lord. We yes. believe all of those things, but at the end of the day, it's not a product to yeah. consume, yeah. And I think what that's one of the main things that Jesus taught in the kingdom of God is yeah. that this is a life, yeah, that is lived every single day, yeah, in the ordinariness of all of that. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: that's a good point, yeah. It's a family. Um, so fear, apathy, and then thirdly, insecurity. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by insecurity? Yeah,
1: I think if we're honest, a lot of the reasons why we don't share our faith is because we don't know our Bible and we don't know the faith that we're sharing. Mm. You know, you know, I I wrestled with almost the big idea being when you love Jesus, the more you love Jesus, the more you'll share Jesus, because yeah. that's just a natural byproduct of right. anything that you love. Of a Coffee. Yeah. Oh man, you got to get this brand of coffee, right. or this restaurant, or this movie, or this anything. We yeah. we share what we love, what we yeah. enjoy. We want to explain and engage with others. And I think the insecurity comes from, you know, maybe a little bit more fear of if they ask me a question, I don't know what I'm going to say. But I told the story. I'll never forget being on staff at a church in a big city. And the pastor was sort of planning out a, a very evangelistic Sunday, meaning yeah. at the end of his sermon, he was going to give an opportunity for people to respond to the gospel, and he wanted the elders of the church to be up front, to pray with people, and to lead them to the Lord in that moment. Yeah. And um, a gentleman who was like third generation in that church, who had grown up in church, knew all the lingo, all of that stuff, raised his hand and said, I can't be a part of that. I can't do that on that Sunday. And I'll never get what the pastor, you know, why? and the guy said because I've never led anybody to the lord I've I've never done yeah. that I've never walked with somebody in a moment of repentance and brokenness and said this is what the bible says about this moment yeah and it was shocking yeah. to me because this person served this person led this person was you know the varsity christian yeah. and that insecurity was there and I, man I think that's a failure on the church, on pastors, on discipleship, on everybody. I don't yeah. think you can point to one thing and say, that's why that happened. I think it's a failure across the board. Yeah,
0: yeah. well, and that ties into that last one, the lack of biblical literacy. Yep. Psalm 1, I love this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Yeah. Ultimately, Jesus is the one who perfectly fulfills this verse. He's the one who meditates and delights in the law and does not walk with the wicked or sit in the seat of scoffers or any of that. But the implications for us, time spent in the word, time spent in the text. How does time spent in God's word benefit our ability to share the good news? Mm, That's good, yeah.
1: I think it's in 1 Peter, you know, the biblical term for this is apologetics. Yeah which is when an outsider, which is the language Paul uses in Colossians 4, asks a question about your faith yeah. that you are to give an answer, Peter yeah. says. And that's where we, apologia, that's where we get that word apologetics from. And the understanding of that is, is very. I mean, if you were to ask, how do I get to your house? Right. You know the directions because you drive it right. every day. You're yeah. familiar with it. So, therefore, you're going to be very confident in explaining how to get to your home. Very, man, there is nothing, there is nothing that can replace simple, ordinary, Daily Bible reading. Yeah.
0: Nothing. Amen.
1: I don't care about how big the systematic theology book is. Right. I don't care about Francis Chan's new book. I, yeah. l-
0: I love that guy. Yeah. It's going to be a great book, I'm
1: sure. There is nothing yeah. that can just replace simple, ordinary yeah. daily Bible reading yeah. and being familiar with it. Yeah, man. That's and so good. it it's not this idea of dinosaurs or, you know, kind of like that yeah. question. That's a specialty right. question. Yeah. But You could very simply say because you're familiar with reading through your Bible every year. Yeah. Hey, I think... You know, I don't know the answer to that necessarily, like, about the theological implications, but I'm pretty sure, like, I read that in Job, God was like, who created the Leviathan? Yeah. I think that's like a sea creature or something. Right. You know, I mean, it's just being familiar with yeah, it man. in that yeah. sense.
0: Yeah, I heard I heard my youth pastor a long time ago talk—use this as an illustration in terms of knowing your Bible. It's like working at a cash register and you deal with real money all day. Yeah. The moment that you get a fake bill or somebody asks you, you know— you can immediately spot, oh, that's not that, which is also good for apologetics when yep. someone's like, oh, you Christians, you believe this. You're like, well, hold up. Actually, what the Bible says about that is we actually believe this. Absolutely.
1: If- Anytime I talk to somebody who says that they don't believe in God, I learn from another pastor to ask ask them to describe to me the God they don't believe in. Yeah. And when they do that, I almost 100% of the time say, and I don't believe in that God either. <laughs> right? Uh, that's not the God of the Bible. Right. That's not Jesus in yeah. that sense. Yeah. And that only comes from yeah. just being familiar with that.
0: That's good. That's good. <clears throat> well, we have this quote by Charles Spurgeon that I'm going to read yeah, because man. it's so fire um, in terms of praying for those and reaching out for those um, for those who are not in the kingdom of God, are not part of God's family yet, who are unsaved, don't know Christ. He says this: "O oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ." If sinners will be damned, we said it, we're not going to bleep it out. (laughs) At least let them leap to hell over our bodies. Mm. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay and not madly to destroy themselves. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one person go there unwarned or unprayed for. What a massive statement, yeah. a massive statement. And the reason
1: why, I mean, Spurgeon was probably, apart from a guy like George Whitefield, who was an evangelist in church history, Spurgeon was by far the most evangelistic pastor. Yeah, He was not so much concerned primarily, yes, he wanted to mature uh, already believers and disciples yeah. and make disciples and do everything like that. But he was so concerned about the lost. His heart broke for those who were not inside his church. And, um, I mean, anybody could say the success of Spurgeon was because he went for the common man. He went to the people that were outside the church walls. And um, I, I just think the church always does its best work when its
0: focus is there. Yeah, man. Absolutely. That's that's that perspective of eternity being real. Yes. Eternity is real. Yes. And so how do we go about this? How do we go about sharing our faith? Well, the first thing that we absolutely need to do is is pray. Yep. Pray to God. That's the first point. It's talk to God about people. We see that here in verses 2 and 3. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, and at the same time pray also for us that God may open a door to the Word. How do what is continuing steadfastly? Like, does it mean that like I can't talk to you right now because we're praying constantly? <laughs> <laughs> right. like, like pray without ceasing, like, well, I can't talk to you right now because I'm praying, brother. Like, right. what does right. that mean? Continue steadfastly in prayer.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we grow up and we're taught this quiet time thing. And listen, I'm I am a huge proponent of it's just like I said, I don't think anything can replace the simplicity yeah. and the ordinariness of getting up early, yeah, an hour early. And reading your Bible Make and praying. Yeah, Make a space. Yeah, man. Make a space for it. Yeah. But I think it's rhythms. Yeah. I think that's the devote yourself to this. It's yeah. a mindset. It's long before I ever open my mouth yeah. and talk to somebody, a family member. And and what's so sensitive about this topic is, man, listen, we're talking, some of us are talking about our dad. Right. Or our mom or yeah. our brother. Or, I mean, we're not talking about somebody, you know, a Joe Schmo that we don't know. Right. We're talking about people that are close to us. Yeah. Um, long before I've ever said anything to them, I have agonized and labored in prayer. Mm. And I think what that shows is a dependence on God. Amen. And, you know, going back to um, looking at the state of the church, man, I think what's so terrifying for me is what we can do in this day and age without the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I think we can get a good band. I think we can you know, build a, a facility. Yeah. I think we can get a communicator who can communicate clearly and succinctly. Yeah. And, and then there, pray
0: at the end and ask God to bless it. And there's a little <laughs> bit
1: of satisfaction that we're like, yeah. Wow. But what we're asking is for supernatural. Yeah. That only God can save people. Yeah, man. And it's this dependence of coming to God, going, God, only you can do this. Yeah. And, and
0: I just, I love that Paul starts with that. Yeah, it starts with prayer. That that idea of submission and surrendering and knowing that it's not dependent upon us. But how should we pray? Yeah. How should we pray for people? We see here in the text three different ways that our prayers are faithful, watchful, and grateful. Yeah. Let's talk about faithful for a minute. Um, Like, I think we have, again, like consumeristic mentality, like we live in a day and age where you mentioned on Sunday, Amazon Prime isn't fast enough for us. We're always checking the shipping tracking and it's in Earth City all the time. Like, (laughs) like we, it's never fast enough for us. Um, And I think we have this idea of like, oh, I've, I've labored in prayer for this person for a week, like every day I've mentioned them in my prayers for the last seven days and I'm not seeing anything. What's the difference between and I'm not not, not to harp. You got to start somewhere. Absolutely, a, 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 week, a, a week is a good start. That's yep. a, that's a great place to begin. But how is that different from the faithfulness in prayer and the continue steadfastly in prayer that Paul, to Paul is talking about here?
1: Yeah. Well, number one, I mean, just the word that he uses. Um, you know, some translations will say devote yourself to prayer, and it means, I mean, to grasp, to have your hand around it. Yeah. And so we're not talking about you know, like you said, a week, a month, something like that. Bro, we're talking, there are people in our church who were married to an unbelieving spouse and prayed for them every day for 20 years and are just now living in the fruit of that answered prayer and that spouse becoming a Christian. We're talking about parents praying for a prodigal child, for years and years and years. Yeah. And the reality is, is that, you know, I love what one preacher said, prayer changes the prayer. Yeah, Prayer yeah. changes the prayer. And so you're going to God on behalf of this person, but in reality over time you realize that you're being shaped yeah. by God in all of this. Yeah. And, and I think that comes through faithful prayer and yeah. you know we said just as in you know exhortation and to spur us on that god's delay is not his denial yeah man i mean it's so That's important good. to see in scripture i mean how long people prayed for things yeah man and so if you're in a season right now please let me tell you if you're in a season where you've been praying on behalf of an unbelieving loved uh, loved one in your life and you have not seen God answer
0: that prayer yeah. do not give up yeah <clears throat> don't yeah. give up Eugene Peterson has this quote and it's in his book I had to look it up cuz I couldn't remember it um uh, word for word he says the essential thing in heaven and earth is that there is a long obedience in the same direction yes. thereby result the, there thereby results and has always resulted in the long run something which has made life worth living yes and I think like Yes this that that quote is in the context of faithfulness to God and obedience to his word but I believe it's completely applicable to this idea of prayer and praying for our loved ones 100% that it that it, it doesn't just produce an outcome of God's faithful answer to prayer but it also produces a life worth living in your own life yes a long obedience in that um so we see faithful uh, our prayers are faithful when we pray for people but secondly it's also watchful yeah. you said this is like a military term and and uh, what, yeah. Talk about the military term. And then I want to talk about worry and anxiety for a minute. After Yeah. That. The
1: watchful is a military term of staying up all night watching for the enemy. Yeah. And I thought about the way my mind works. I thought about Bubba in Forrest Gump when he's like, <laughs> Forrest, you lean up against me and I'll lean up against you and we'll stay awake. You know, <laughs> we yeah, don't have to I, sleep with our heads. I just, that's just the way my mind works. <laughs> yeah, but man. But I love it. Really what it means is is informed. Yeah. You're, you know, it's informed prayer. You're not, praying so much for somebody who's so distant and far away, yeah. but you're also involved. You're watching. Yeah. You're, you're praying, seeing what God is doing, seeing what they're doing. It's
0: informed prayer yeah. in that sense. That's good. Well, and you made a distinction between the difference between, between being watchful and worrying. Yep. Um, and this idea of like anxiousness in our prayers and, and worry, like, we're, listen, we're, we're going to worry. We're going to have anxieties. The, 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 the point that matters is what we do with that. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I want to ask this question. Like, how, how can worry and anxiety do one of two things? How can it paralyze our prayers? And for another P for your alliterated mm-hmm. love, Amen. How, Let's can it, go. how can it pervert our prayers? Yeah. How can worry and anxiety paralyze us from praying, um, and how can it pervert or sort of change the direction of how our prayers should be?
1: Yeah, I think th- those are great questions. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talks about a lot of times we think that anxiety comes from overthinking or thinking too much, yeah. worrying about something. And in reality, in Matthew chapter six, Jesus says that anxiety doesn't come from overthinking, it comes from wrong thinking. Mm. And so worrying prayer is so focused on the problem yeah. and so consumed with the details. And really, quite honestly, if let's, you know, God forbid we're honest and transparent with the Lord, it's about us. It's really about us and how it affects us and how we're perceived and everything like that. And I think it paralyzes our prayers in a couple ways the first one would be that it it makes us feel like the problem's so big why even deal with this mm. once i start praying about it my mind starts overthinking and it just gets so vast and it's so big yeah. that i just essentially give up or number 2 all we do in the prayer is focus on the problem yeah. and focus on the sin so it's just you know paralysis by analysis yeah. in that sense and and then lastly i think it perverts it Because it makes prayer something that it's not. Yeah. You know, prayer is not getting stuff from God. Yeah. It is bending our will to His. Yeah. It's thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's a perspective change. It is, I love what Eugene Peterson says. It's, as a as breathing is to humanity, so prayer is to a Christian. Yeah, man. It's the relationship. Yeah. That's what it is. And so I think it perverts it because then it
0: makes it something that it's not. Yeah. Yeah. We are to be watchful in that. And lastly, it's to be grateful. Yes. Grateful in our prayers. How can your prayer life change if you just simply thank God for for him? Thank yeah. God for Christ, for his word, for for what he's blessed and given you in your life. What yeah. How, how different would your life be? How I love this cheesy yeah. sentence that I learned from
1: another pastor is that gratitude is the attitude that sets the altitude for your prayers. Wow. I love that. It's, <laughs> it rhymes. I'm a fan of rap music. It all makes uh, that's sense. That's great. But I think the difference is instead of focusing on what you do have, what does it look like to thank God for what you do have? Yeah. I mean, instead of being in a season of life going, You know, maybe you're listening to this and you have young kids and you're just in the thick of it or you're in a season of sickness or doing something like that and your prayers are just consumed with getting out of it. And listen, that's our heart's desire. That's okay. But I don't think that should be all of it. What does it look like? In the terminology that we use is these kairos moments where we are aware of the kingdom of God breaking in rather than praying to God about getting out of this season What does it look like to ask God to bloom where you're
0: planted now? That's God, good. do
1: something in this season now. And yeah. I I just think that starts with gratitude yeah. in that sense.
0: That's really, really good. God's always present and at work in those moments. Amen. Like the kingdom of God is working in those Kairos moments and even when you're not aware. Uh, but it's helpful to be aware and it fuels our gratefulness. Yes. Um, you asked this question. Uh, well, I, it was an old Puritan question. Uh, if God answered all of your prayers from yesterday, how many people would be saved sure. today? And, and then let's... you could hear a pin drop in the soul of your own mind. Yeah, because, man, that's yeah. it. That's the question, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
1: well, I mean, I mean, if we really believe in this and if we really say we love people, um, there's a great YouTube video, and we'll post it in the show notes of um Penn from Penn and Teller. Yeah, who talks about evangelism. So Penn is a very outspoken atheist, but very engaged in conversation. Yeah. And it's late at night and his hair's all
0: frazzled, and yeah. he's in his
1: hotel room, and he's talking about an experience that he just had. It was an experience of a guy who had come to his show multiple nights yeah, and then finally at a meet and greet after the show, approached Penn with a Bible and said, I know you're a non-believer. I've been praying for you, shared the gospel with him, said, please read the Bible if you need anything. And Penn said that he was so shaken by the fact that this guy really believed. Yeah, But not just that. But that he really believed that he cared for Penn. Yeah. That Penn wasn't just some project right. of, you know, I can convert him and then I can post it on Instagram. Right that he and he said, I don't know as a non-believer and, and an outspoken atheist, I don't know if I've ever felt so cared for yeah. by somebody. Wow. And I think if we say we really care and we really believe, a question like that is the gauge, man. Yeah. I mean, even when it comes, I'm I'm convicted as as leading a body of believers. I mean, do we pray enough corporately? Do we pray yeah. enough as a church for lost people in our community? That's I mean, good. I mean that's a gauge yeah. for us, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's really really good. I was just looking for that video, and I think I found it. I don't know. I'll, I'll screen it, make sure it's not full of swearing. But we yeah, can, we, can, we def probably need we, to yeah do that. We That's can, good. We can maybe throw that in the show notes. Um, yeah. I think I found it. But um, but yes. So, so continuing steadfastly and praying faithfully and watchfully and gratefully. Um, and then we also pray for opportunities. Um, that God may open up a door, as Paul says in the text. Yeah, and again, this perspective comes from, it's why we pray. It's We, we pray because we know that we can't save people. We yes. don't go on revival and soul winning missions because we're not the ones who do the saving work. Now we are the ones who participate in the work. Yes, We till the ground, we can plant the seed, we can water it, but God's the one who makes it grow. Amen. And so we pray for an opportunity. And I, I think many of us think of it as an opportunity is like this perfect divine moment right. where, where someone will ask us like outlet. Like, Cause maybe, I mean, we've been, we've been taught this like growing up in youth groups and stuff in the Bible bell. I want what you have brother. Right. Like, like can you tell me about Jesus? Right. Like this divine moment. I want I can your tell different... you. Yeah. I ahead. can,
1: I can tell you, Three times, yeah, that right? that's happened in my yeah. life.
0: So more often, than, <laughs> more often than not, these opportunities that we prayed for that we pray for present themselves in really ordinary moments. Yep, in really ordinary moments in our ordinary lives. And I love what we said in the in the sermon series we did a while back called Extraordinary Times. God uses ordinary things to create extraordinary things. Yes. Um, And what was it? Ordinary people to create extraordinary... To accomplish extraordinary things. That's That's the That's the Bible. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah, every single story that you see through the patriarchs all the way up into the New Testament. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Jesus says, they're like, what's the kingdom of God like? And he's like, it's like a sword. Right. He doesn't say that. He says it's like a farmer. Right. Got some seed.
0: You look at the Son of God in the context in which He came into the world. Yep, he incarnation. Was not, yeah, man. He he was he was a carpenter for thirty yes. years. Yes, and a baby for you know four years or you know to whatever baby toddler and then grew up and obedience right. his parents and all that. So more often than not, these opportunities that we pray for present themselves in really ordinary moments. What are what are some examples of an opportunity to share the gospel some with yep. someone like an ordinary opportunity?
1: Yep. I think number one, it comes with awareness. That's what Paul's asking. He's not only asking that God would open a door, but I think you know when you read the text, God may may I be aware that you've opened the door. Yeah, and and I think it's going to happen with relationships that you have. And so, just an, an example off the top of my head, we have a very dear lady who goes to our church, plays the piano, and is just a saint. I just yeah. we just love this lady, love yeah. her family. And she is a voracious note taker (laughs) and I, and it makes me happy, you know? And so she's taking notes and she'll come up and go, Hey, I missed this sentence or this, that, and the other. And what she doesn't work is she'll replay the sermon for people that are kind of in the room, her co-workers. Yeah. And, you know, she's asked for their permission, like, is this okay? Right. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. And then she engages in conversation, shares that with them, prays with them. Yeah. She is so on deck for the door to open. Yeah, man. That she's aware and that she's ready. Yeah. Listen, I think it happens in our everyday life. Yeah. Now, I think there are inclinations and opportunities you know, and I shared a story in the 11 a.m. of when Courtney and I were in St. Louis and I just felt a prompting by the Holy Spirit. We, we, We heard this lady talking on the phone and She's having a brutal conversation and she got off and was bawling and we just asked if we could pray for her and we let her know that God loves her yeah. and and all of that. I think God does that, but I think he does that in a sense that you're almost not supposed to know the outcome of that right? because it's not about you. right? You're just the instrument. Yeah. And so in those moments, hey, Jason, you get to be a part of this, yeah. has nothing to do with you, and you're never going to know the outcome of that lady's life. But <laughs> well, what you do know is that you are obedient to a prompting, yeah. which is great. But I think for all of us, yeah. it happens just in the day to day.
0: Yeah, man. Absolutely. You, t- you told a story, mm-hmm. um, about Billy Graham and John mm-hmm. F. Kennedy and, uh, just soup. I'd never heard that story before. I, uh, if you had told it, I'd forgotten it, but yeah. Billy Graham had just come, come in town, uh, from being on the road and uh, out of the country. Yeah. Man. And was yeah. really sick and, um, was meeting with JFK and then, uh, on his way to leave. Um, Kennedy was like, hey, uh, can you ride with me? I want, some, I want to talk, about it, talk to you yeah. about some stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, I'm super sick. I'd like to get home to my family. Can we schedule for another day? Uh, John was like, sure, that's fine. And uh, he was inviting him to go on a trip with him to Dallas. And that's, yeah. that's where his life ended and he was assassinated. Yeah. And, and you, you said this, a, a quote from his, uh, his biography, Just As I Am. His hesitation at the car door and his request haunt me still. What was on his mind? Should I have gone with him? I realize now that that was an irrecoverable moment. Man. I think that does two things for me in my heart and my mind. Number one, there's a grieving, Mm -hmm. a sadness that takes place. But number two there's also an understanding that we will fail at this. That's the whole that, reason why I use That it. we will miss opportunities. Yep. What do we do when we miss those? Yeah. Like, yeah. I do think, we shame and guilt ourselves? Mm, do yeah. we, like, how do we respond to
1: that? No way. Because I think, you know, when you're driving down the road and you see somebody walking and you're like, you don't give them a ride and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to die and go up to the pearly gates and God's going to be like, I oh, was that guy <laughs> on 67 North and you need to give me a ride. And like people <laughs> guilt and think about that stuff. Right. The whole reason why I use that illustration because I said when it comes to sharing the gospel and evangelism probably the most famous person ever would yeah. be Billy Graham. Yeah. And if Billy Graham dropped the ball, I think we're in good company. Yeah. So it was an exhortation, but it was also to let us see the repentance. Yeah. The repentance that Billy felt. Yeah. He said it was an irrecoverable moment. It yeah. was what the Celtics call a thin place. There was where the kingdom of God and heaven were, were one in that moment yeah. and Billy was unaware and he just had a resolve when you see later on um, in his autobiography, which I highly recommend just as I am that that would never happen again. Yeah. That there's lessons that, that failure doesn't define us. It can refine us. Yeah. And that's the purpose. Yeah.
0: And that leads us into the second point. Um, we can kind of wrap up here on these, um, we don't just talk to God about people in prayer, but then we also we also do something. We talk yes. to people about God. We open yes. our mouths. Um, and I think you mentioned two things that are in this verse, our words and our works. And I want to talk about our words for a moment because we, we can unpack a few things here about how, what we put through the door, like Paul says in the verse that we that God may open a door to declare the mystery of Christ. Yeah. The door is open. What's going through the door yep. in our words? What's the conversation that takes place? And there are some things that we lean to, that we drift to pretty regularly, that we could probably strive to put through the door that may not necessarily need to go through. And the first one's our personality. Yep. Like, what benefit can come from, or I guess what damage takes place when we make the pathway through the door of a conversation about Jesus Christ to people? is solely revolving around our personality. Yeah. Personality or comes from a place like I that. used to
1: say to students about dating and and specifically to young women, what you win them with is what you win them to. Mm. Meaning how you're getting this person to quote unquote like you or this that the other or find you attractive is also what that person is assuming is going to keep the fuel of the relationship going. Yeah. So when it comes to personality and you're like, well, I like Jesus, and if they like me, then in turn they will like Jesus. Right. I've never seen that go well. Yeah. I've always seen that lead to compromise mm. um, because eventually what you'll do is compromise your convictions in order to get that person to like you. Yeah, And in the end, that is so prideful yeah. and so filled with idolatry mm-hmm. that it's about you, that yeah. if we could just have this sort of personality then they'll, you know, come to Jesus. Yeah.
0: Sometimes we throw through the door uh, good works, um, which seems like a good idea and it looks good. Yep. Like this idea of good works and, and, uh, feeding the poor and, and sheltering the homeless yeah. and, and taking care of people. But the, the problem comes when we stop there. Yeah. The problem comes when that becomes our only area of ministry and we don't actually open our mouth to talk about God. H- how is this idea of good works, how has it become like maybe sort of the central figure of our ministry to sure. non-believers? I use ministry in air quotes there. Yeah,
1: there's a ditch on either side of the road, okay? And so one ditch is called a social gospel, yeah. which says, you know, we have got to strive. For justice, and right now you're hearing that term a ton, right? And people aren't even going to listen to us until you know that they see that we're for them, so we dig wells, provide clean water, do all of that. Yeah, and please, please hear me yes and amen. Yep, if you are not taking care of widows and orphans and feeding the hungry, you are not even doing the basics of our right. faith. I mean, I'm talking the basics of our faith, yeah, but. If you were only doing that and saying, that's what will win them to the Lord, yeah, that is contrary to scripture. Yeah. So we can't just feed them and send them to hell right. with full bellies. We have got to open our mouth yeah. and share the gospel. Yeah. But the other side of the ditch is, well, all we've got to do is preach the word, man. Right. That's all we've got to do is just preach the word. Yeah. And all of those people are angry. Okay. <laughs> There's those personalities are always angry. And so they're yeah. like, we don't what changes society is not a social gospel. It's just the preaching of the gospel. All we gotta do is preach the gospel. Yeah. That's like the dumbest thing I've ever right. heard.
0: Yeah. Because Jesus healed blind men. Yeah. He fed hungry people.
1: Yeah, man. And so it's both and yeah. in that sense. Absolutely.
0: Another thing we try to shove through the door, and you I can't you went there on Sunday. Oh. You said it. Politics. Yep. yep I did. Um, it's a pretty common theme. I've seen it as well. You mentioned it in your sermon that um, there are comment threads online where you see people who who point to conversations of seething believers who yep. are just vehemently vomiting venom. I just did three V's. That's awesome. Yeah, that was really good. All over one another, and they say that's why I'm not a Christian. Oh, you guys dude. are not loving, and you are not caring. So. I, and a lot of it revolves around the, the the context of political conversations. Yeah. So I got a couple of questions about politics. Absolutely. Number one, do our political affiliations matter? Yeah. Do they matter? And number two, do they belong anywhere in the context of us sharing the gospel with others? Well, wow, that's great. Um, Republican do, or Democrat? Sure. Libertarian? whatever party name, uh, Green yeah. Party. Yeah. Solidarity. Do
1: they matter in yeah. this sense? Um, I think yes, and here's why. Yeah. Because it shows that you're involved um, where God has placed you. Mm. So you're involved in your community. You're involved in the social work and the aspect of the gospel. Yeah. They are not ultimate. Yeah. They are not ultimate. Your political affiliation is not ultimate. Yeah. I mean, I just can't say that enough. It, It blows me away that there are literally groups of people on either side of the aisle Yeah that say there's no way you could be a Christian and be a Democrat. Oof. There's no way that you could be a Christian and be a Republican. So the people on the Left are saying, there's no way that you could be a Christian and be on the Right because you don't care about social implications, you don't care about loving people, and then the people on the Right are saying there's no way that you could be a Christian and be on the Left because you don't believe in this truth and that policy and this and that is so pharisaical. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. And the funny thing is, is both camps are saying the same thing. Yeah. And so, yes, it does matter, I believe, in the sense that it shows that you're involved. Yeah. That you can I mean, listen, God has placed us, if you're listening to this here in the States, and if you're listening to this and you're out of the country, let us know. That'd be, that would <laughs> Yeah, be, please
0: send us an email that'd and be let awesome. us know where you're listening That
1: would be really cool. But... It, it, it shows that you're involved in in the American government yeah. and, and the policies and local government and, yeah.
0: and all of that. Yeah. Um, and then the what was the second question that you had? Uh, does, does our political affiliation have any place in the context of us sharing the gospel with others? Man, that's such a good question. I think it does,
1: but only in this. I think it has an implication in sharing the gospel to let your defenses and the other person's defenses down. Yeah, man. Not so here's what I mean by that. Yeah. Let's say it's a non-believer and they know that you're a believer. And you in a conversation say something like, you know, it's so heartbreaking to see what's happening. You know, I sort of kind of lean this way. I don't really know. I'm just so heartbroken and it's not ultimate for me.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think
1: that's fantastic. And secondly, I think it can be for some types and some personalities to engage with them as to what they're passionate about. Yeah, man. So let's say that someone's, you know, hardcore Democrat and they're so involved in climate change and the social aspects of those things. Us as a Christian, we can go, hey. We really think creation's important, right? We believe God created it, <laughs> yeah, and we believe that we should be good stewards yeah, of the man. planet that God's given us, yeah. And so, yes, I, I I love what Tim Keller says. What you have to do is number one, you have to enter their worldview because yeah. that's what Jesus did for us in the incarnation. Yeah, he entered the worldview, but then he exposed the faults in the worldview. Yeah. and listen, the only way that you can do that is to know their worldview sometimes better than they do right? without bashing anybody. Right. And then thirdly, you offer a solution to yeah. their worldview. Yeah. And so, yes, I do think it plays a role in it, but I think it's 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 a means right. to, to something else. Yeah, yeah. It's not
0: the end. Yeah. At, I, I see threads and comment threads sometimes and, and posts that are like, hey, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to change your mind. Here's all the data. Here's yeah. all the statistics. And it just ends up being this heated, seething argument. And and because those decisions are, are not – because politics are so ingrained in people's identities now and our identities, yep. that you're no longer saying I disagree with that. You're saying I disagree with who you are. Yep. And I think – that can almost help us to a degree because we see the source of that is not what we believe about politics. It's what we worship in our hearts. Amen. It's what we glorify and what we hold up. You said yeah. on Sunday, we don't worship a donkey. We don't worship an elephant. We worship the land that was slain and the yes. lion that is to come, man. Yes. And that is good news. Yes. That's good news. So politics, I got so much more. We could talk about that. but right. We're running in on our time here. Life lessons is the last one. Um, you've said this before. The gospel isn't good advice. It's good oh, news. Gosh. Like, Yes. How can good advice be damaging to someone in pain, like who really needs to hear good news instead of good advice?
1: I mean, you know, I just think of working in a funeral home as being an in-house chaplain and these platitudes and, quite frankly, ignorant statements of, you know, well, God, you know, needed another angel or... You know, just God will never give you more than you can bear, or just these type Please of. Please
0: don't say those to someone who's lost somebody. Just don't <laughs> yeah, say <just> them. Don't. <laughs> you know, yeah. in that
1: sense, and so I think I'll. You know, oftentimes, I think people do come to Christianity because they want a practical. Hey, my marriage is failing. I hear that church is supposed to be good about that. Help me in my marriage. Right. And then we can show you some stuff, but at the end of the day, it's not about your marriage. Right. It's about God. It's yeah. about Jesus Christ. And so those are always a doorway into something else. Yeah. But we never stick those things through the doors, the primary thing. The apostle Paul says that we might declare right. the word. Yeah. It's the Amen. word of God, man. Yeah.
0: And that's how we and that's how we talk about Jesus. Can we just break down each one of these real quick and then we'll close out? Yeah. Um, how do we talk to people about Jesus? These are just sort of some pretty ap- applicable boots on the ground ways that are pulled directly from the text. Um, in verse three, it says, "Open your mouth that we may declare." Yep. That we may declare. At some point, you got to say something, right? Yes. Like, and it's not. And how do you say something without it being like, like, uh, "Hey, come over to my house for the Super Bowl," and at halftime, it's like, "Here's a gospel track." You're oh. all about ready to hear about Jesus. Yeah. Like, like I
1: could have yeah. gone. I could have gone so many ways on this. Like, if you're going, I mean, I. I I used to be a waiter and I would get those fake $100 bills. <laughs> like I got you, bills
0: to pay and this is not real money. That you
1: owe, Like you didn't even leave me a tip. <laughs> right. Like, are you, I picked it up because oh, I thought it was
0: money. You so, fooled me.
1: So horrible. That's yeah. lying by the way. But yeah. anyway, you know, at some point you've got to open up your mouth. And I think that can be as simple of a sentence as, Hey, I've never asked you. We've talked about so much stuff. Like you're right. one of my best friends. I've never like, dude, what do you think about Jesus? Yeah that's it. Yeah. I think, I think God can use that. Yeah. I think God can use that to build a conversation. Yeah. And then for you to declare- A life, conversation
0: that might take time. Yes. That might take your faithful long obedience to have maybe a six month, one year, it's five not, years, 10 years long conversation. It's not a sales
1: pitch right. for a timeshare. Right. You know, and the, <laughs> you know, there's not a signing at the dotted line at the end. Now, yeah. I do think that there's moments where you call someone to a decision. Yeah. But I think those are a lot more rare than what we think. Yeah. I think it is a conversation.
0: Yeah. In verse three, he says to use the scriptures, he says, declare what? We're declaring the word. Yep. Why is it important that we, we talked about this a little bit, but it's important that we use the context of the Bible. We use the words of scripture and not our own thoughts or our own feelings when we're communicating the gospel to yes, people. Yes, yes. Because ultimately God is the one who does the work and God is the one who wrote this book. It's the only thing that God has promised that will not return Amen.
1: void. Amen. And listen, just to show my cards, I am a hundred percent Down and not on board with when people say very famous preachers and communication classes and preaching schools that the sermon shouldn't be, you know, more than 15 minutes because people's attention spans and you should never say things like the Bible says Mm. because people. Now, I also don't think you should go around not just quoting it and not explaining it. When I say use the scriptures, I think in a conversation of, hey, what do you think about Jesus? Somebody gives their response, and they ask you, and you can say things like, man, I think what was compelling is there's so much wrong in the world. Right. Like something's wrong. And
0: there's so much wrong in me to be vulnerable in that conversation.
1: And when I started reading the Bible— and the Bible said it's because of sin. Yeah. And then, you know, I started reading more and then the Bible said, and then the Bible, and that started making logistical sense to me. So I think it's opening your mouth and using the scriptures.
0: Yeah. yeah and eventually we got to get to Jesus. Oh, uh, yes. What are we declaring the word that the mystery of Christ yep. may be proclaimed? So yep. so ultimately you got to get there. And guys, keep it simple is the fourth one. Oh. Keep it simple. Paul says in verse four that I may make it clear. Yep. Like, I love the illustration that you use, like in a negative sense, like some, you know. I've seen this one before. You're grabbing two different bottles of water, and one has oil in it, and you can change the color of one. And the black is sin, the clear is good, and like, uh, or you're like Louis Giglio.
1: Listen to this star, (laughs) and it's and like that's great, and that's good. Like, I'm I'm just talking about riding in a car with someone or eating nachos, right? That's what I'm talking about, and I'm talking about keeping it clear and simple from the fact of. We have a longing in our heart. Yeah. That longing comes from God creating everything good, sin distorting everything, and then God making everything perfect again through yeah. Jesus Christ. restoring it all.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's good. And then lastly, you said be ready for opposition. I mean, Paul's in prison. It's in the text, in and he says three. that. I'm for, in prison. Yeah, on the account of which I am in prison. Yep. Um, and again, co- context-wise and perspective-wise, it's not something that we see here in the West, but... Um, but it's something that is definitely taking places overseas. Um, I definitely
1: think that it's coming in such a way that in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, if you had a job or a a predominant job and you moved to a new town, one of the first things you did was find a church and join it. And you did that for massive social implications, um, which also led to a bunch of other things. But from a sociological perspective, now when you look at that, that is the reverse? You could actually hinder your job. Yeah. You could actually. I mean, I read an article last week that a lady who you know goes to work and works somewhere posted some stuff from Romans chapter one mm. on her Facebook. And if you know anything about Romans chapter one, it's like bazinga. Right. And she got fired from her job. Wow. And so I I do think it's coming, and yeah. I think it looks like those social
0: implications. Yeah, man. Well. Those are some good points, straight from the text, of how we can talk to people about Jesus. Um, and when we talk to them, uh, our words are one. But secondly, our words are one thing that we use. And lastly, it's this: our walk, yeah. the way that we live. Um, and I love that. I love this. You said it's not about living perfectly. Yes. It's about living honestly, authentically. Yeah. Like be yourself. You don't have to be the weird Christian. <laughs> yeah, he says in verse 5, <laughs> yeah.
1: walk in wisdom toward yeah. the outsiders, yeah. making the best use of your time. I, That's it, intentionality.
0: Yeah, and I love authenticity. Like how and well this will be one of the last like questions that we can go through before we get into resources. How, how is the context of our ordinary lives? Waking up, reading, working out, drinking your coffee, going to work. Coming home. Yep. All of that. How is the context of our ordinary lives so much more impactful in sharing the gospel, saying rather than having an opportunity to like yep. yell at people from a megaphone on the corner, use Christianese and ways yeah. that people don't understand, or I feel like language when it yeah. comes to sharing the gospel. I
1: think it's interesting because the Apostle Paul says in verse six, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are they answering? Well, they're answering verse five. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. So that tells me that Christians should live in such a way that non-believers question your lifestyle. Not so much from a negative sense, but I think very simply it could look like this. Let's say you blew it at work, like snapped out on some coworkers. I'm talking drop the ball, man. And the next day you come into work and go, hey guys, I just need to let you know. I am so sorry um, yeah. for my attitude. I shouldn't have done that. And maybe it's a little simple thing is, you know, I'm a Christian. I just believe the Lord's working on me. And, uh, I, you know, I'm so sorry I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Or let's say the coworkers and everybody's gossiping and hammering the boss and doing that stuff, and maybe you just leave the room. You, yeah. you walk away from the water cooler. The coworker comes up and is like, hey, you know, I've noticed – like you kind of walk away in these moments and stuff. Why? Why do you do that? And you're just going, man, I I have problems with our boss and stuff too, but I'm just, I don't want to go that route of gossip. You know, yeah. I mean, I think that's the authenticity yeah, of what it looks and like.
0: And it's it's real. It's not yes. I'm holier than you because yes. I'm refusing to engage in what you are. It's, it's not. I am truly and honestly, authentically convicted by what is going on. And here is my honest response.
1: And it's not by our Instagram and Facebook right. of what we're showing. Open everybody. your mouth. Yeah.
0: Not your phone. Yes. Yeah. No, that's good. This has been a good conversation, man. Yeah, man. Um,
1: I want to hit the three things that we said yeah. as to what it looks like. Really practically, we said, here's here's how it starts, and here's what you can pray this week. And so if you didn't listen to the sermon, yeah. um you can go back and listen to that. But one of the things we're doing as a church this week, our prayer is this Heavenly Father I am asking you to, and there's three things here straight from the text, open a door, open their heart, open my mouth. Yeah. That's it. That's good. By name, three people that you know who don't know the Lord, that by name you say, Heavenly Father, I'm asking you to open a door with Susie. Open Bill's heart yeah. and open my mouth, yeah. and that you would pray that fervently and faithfully and gratefully.
0: That's good, man. That's good. I'm gonna close this out here with a scripture and then give us a little bit of information. Well, actually, I'll, I'll give us that and then we'll end with God's word. Um, any resources that we have that we can throw into the show notes? Might do the pen. Might do the Pendulet one. Yeah, um, man, that's a really cool thing yeah. to see. Ooh, um, I forgot about this one: the art of neighboring. Oh yeah! I was going to share that great. on the podcast. You can so this is a really cool resource that I learned in a cohort this week about, and um, it's essentially a. a a church, a church based in Arvada, Colorado basically wanted to start this movement during COVID that impact, since they weren't able to gather in their yep. buildings, they wanted to impact their empower their people in their church to impact their neighborhoods that they were in. And it's a really great resource. And I'm just the only thing that I'm going to give you from this, you can look up whatever you want, but there's a diagram on this that's really awesome. It's essentially like it looks like a phone keypad. It's like nine little squares, and the middle square is your house. And then all around it are the houses that are adjacent to you. Yeah. And the challenge is know your neighbors, like know, know the for, know, know your neighbor's names who basically are in, in your like, yeah, start there. Know yeah. your, neighbors. know their names, make a point to talk to them, pray for them with yeah. your families out loud, pray for this family that lives in this house and this house. When you see them, make a point to have a conversation with them. And, that right there, right there is an opportunity. 100%. Right? You, you can talk to God about your neighbors and your people within the context of your neighborhood and where you live, and then you can be intentional and talk to them, and God will create an opportunity for you. Yeah. Absolutely. There's,
1: there's two books that I would recommend. Number one... Um, it's a little bit archaic language, but it's really great to kill the apathy in you. And the quote that I quoted from comes from Spurgeon's The Soul Winner. Mm. And so it's a great book. I think it'll just light a fire underneath you. And then uh, Mark Dever and Nine Marks have a real thin book um, just called Evangelism and kind of how the whole... Church speaks of Jesus and everything like that. But I think those are two simple resources. But your art of neighboring is fantastic.
0: We'll put put a link in the show notes for their website on the resources page. You can thumb around there and then um, uh, that diagram is on the the toolkit that's there on their website. Yes. So very, very cool. Awesome. Well, as always, thanks for joining us for the rest of the sermon. Um, you can visit, you can worship with us uh, in, in our in-person gatherings um, from now until the 23rd, right? Uh, the 23rd is our first Sunday to 10 a.m., right? The one service. Yep. yep.
1: Um,
0: and uh, so from now until the 23rd, so this week and next week, uh, you can worship with us at Westside at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and our live stream goes on Facebook at 11 a.m. You can catch this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can ask us, any question at info at westsidepb.org, or you can visit our website for more info and past sermons at westsidepb.org. Uh, Mother's Day and baby dedications coming up this coming Sunday. Yeah, man, it's going to be a great, great dedicate, Sunday. Dedicate some babies to the Lord. And we're we got ending a ton of babies. Colossians this yeah, Sunday, and man. That's 14 weeks wow. in the book of Colossians. Man, Incredible. That's fantastic. Wow. So awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Well, I'm going to read uh, beyond uh, what I read from Psalm chapter one this morning to close us out, and then we can be wrapped up for. Today, Psalm One: Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in all that he does he prospers. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Thank you for joining us again. And as always, may everything we say and do be all about Jesus. We love you guys. Blessings. Yes.